I heated it up with a hair dryer at like one in the morning one night, and I was like, I'm just gonna start slowly peeling this thing off. Talking about gear buds, gear buds, it's talking about gear buds, gear buds. I'm just talking about gear buds, gear buds. I'm just talking about episode 201. Boom. Going for it. Not sure if we landed that plane, but here we are, buddy. I think it was pretty good. Gearbuds Podcast, episode 201. Not we, 200. That's right. We made it over that hump. Thanks to you guys if you tuned We're not a 101 time. podcast level podcast anymore. We're a 201 level. We're soft. Right. We're like an advanced English course. Yeah, we're, we're definitely a much more advanced podcast at this stage, I'd say. So, I'd, you know, if any of you, any you freshman listeners, get the heck out of here. Shout out to Stingray for being the only one who told us that he's listening to all 200. No, that's episodes. not true. A bunch of people commented on Instagram. We'll get did, to buddy. it. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get to it. Oh, no. I don't know if we're going to get to it. I, I mean, I didn't write anybody down, okay. but a lot, number of people well, said they're like, yeah, we did it, but we, we've heard all of them. And I was damn, like, dude. Thank so, you, guys. That's so cool, man. Gearwoods Podcast, episode 201, Symphony of Corrections. Dive on in. And your weekly reminder, cables are tone tubes. Don't forget it. I've been using some tone tubes. You've been tone tubing it up over here. I was, I was tubing, tubing it around, trying to make a little mini board that I'm not quite ready to talk about on this dang show yet. Cause We're not going to talk about it today? It's just not resolved yet. And okay. I, I still got a lot to figure out. But just, I like my stories to have a, you know, a peak and th- an ending. There's an arc. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> we, will, we will someday talk about this mini board extravaganza, right. but just know that it's not going well yet, folks. <laughs> <laughs> really uh really getting out kicked by the coverage uh go buy my amps on reverb they're still there nobody's bought any of the amps yet i gotta list more stuff get a little are more, you gonna do the um reaction. like drop it like one penny and so everybody gets an update that you dropped it like i should do that 0.005 percent oh you're right Three marketing <laughs> this is a 201 course after all uh let's just get into <laughs> some random stuff oh you know what man i wanted i feel like we've we were talking about dave dave docs earlier and this yeah. has been bothering me okay and Jeez. I have we have uh, not about Dave's doc specifically, but about rock and roll stuff happening. I feel like we need to just get it cleared up once and for all. Okay. And in, in the symphony here, and that is the the weird gear issues that happen in the movie Back to the Future. I I haven't watched it in a long time, so refresh my memory. I understand that he is playing the wrong era guitar for right. the year that he gets. I just want I just want to say that there are, there are a couple more problems with it than I might have really noticed. Not, I might not have noticed before until recently. Hit me, dude. I'm ready. So, back to, back to the future. I, I, you know, folks, if you don't want to hear a grumpy, <laughs> middle aged dish white, if man you don't know what Back to the talk Future about is, Back also, to the Future, just skip yeah. ahead like a minute and a half. <laughs> okay. uh, so, but listen, if you want to hear about some annoying guitar stuff, okay, the movie obviously goes back in time, 1955. Right. He plays a 1959. ES 345. Beautiful That's guitar. whatever. Okay, yeah. fine. Not that big of a right. deal. I mean, they, they do make a big deal out of the guitar and like Chuck Berry's cousin, like it looks at it up all close and stuff. Right. So I don't know, whatever. Well, maybe that's kind of the thing, right? He's like, whoa, where'd you get that thing? Like maybe it didn't exist yet. And that was the whole point. I'm, I'm, well, I might come back to that. And Sorry, so, and I, and I'm I said, no, it. no, you're not. You're not, you're not ruining anything. That's, that's a, that's a, that's very interesting. Uh, and, and I don't want, so when I said I have problems, they're not necessarily problems. I just maybe in, incons- inconsistencies, things I want to sort out sure. because also your, what your theory could potentially solve this next crisis of my movie watching yeah. experience. Are they going to gear jail? He kicks over, it could, this is borderline gear jail. He kicks over the amp, right? Mm-hmm. And you hear that, the reverb go like, sprung. Actually, yeah, you were talking back. about the spring uh, yeah, sound don't earlier you're, you're, that like yeah. that, like you hear that like crashing sound. Mm-hmm. My friend and f- friends listening to this damn show. Oh, no. There was no spring reverb oh. built into an amp until 1961. Ouch. What Do you know what kind of amp it was that he kicked over? I didn't. Was it a Vox? I would assume it was. No, a, it was some no, sort of Fender too early for tweed that. combo. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't know exactly. I, Probably it could be a Harvard, you know, a concert. You never know what the right. twin could be whatever they're making back then. I'm not sure. But I know that none of them had a dang reverb tank built into it. But it made the noise. But it did make, it makes noise. However, you're you're sort of onto something because I also feel like it's po- Is it possible that there are other time travelers? Could the band also be time travelers? Whoa. That's no, all. they didn't. I mean, they didn't have a they didn't have a doc. So because Doc was the only guy he knew how how to do it. Says you. 
Right. I don't know, man. Anyway, That's a good point. I might cut that out because was, that was really meandering. But I just I wanted to clarify. I liked our, for our awkward long pause, actually. I, I know. We, we, we tried to think through it. Uh, let's keep on pushing because uh, I've got a little, little bit of a bummer. In fact, we, someone that we talked about and did a little Swedish-ode segment uh, recently where we talked about, about some Swedish gear. And then one of the coolest guys to ever exist, in my opinion, Slim Borgud the former formula one driver slash drummer of ABBA. Yeah. Unfortunately has passed away recently at the age of 76. So because we talked about him recently and, you know, devoted quite a deal of time to talk about how he's the coolest dude ever. I wanted to make yeah, sure yeah, that yeah. we no, mentioned that here. If, if you've missed that, he was a Grammy award winning drummer again, who played in ABBA and then also drove formula one cars and a bunch of other really cool race cars for many years. I feel like well. a drummer would make a good formula one driver. Well, tell like me why rhythm foot movement you've got power although you're, you're already working pedals yeah and your even your arm like you know your coordination would be very high wow was I'm, gonna, he, I'm gonna i'm gonna noodle on that a bit my bud that's a he, good that's a good good point right yeah there. for those of you who who don't have the patreon uh we just did a 25 <laughs> minute conversation about formula one which i'm i'm invested by the way no but I, it's I wanna, so exciting for me because i mean as as I, I we've we've talked enough about race yeah. cars on this show but that to have to have you finally because you've always been the car guy but you haven't necessarily bought i love jumped cars. into the formula one thing so yeah, much and, I love and it. you know I, I would love to have, that, have invested, you join that dude. team so yeah, it's super cool make that um yeah so he so he played drums and then he just decided to be a formula one driver or he he'd always been he he'd always been a musician and played drums and done all that sort of stuff for a long time played in fairly influent influential swedish bands mm -hmm. uh, in the sort of proggy jazz rocky ish world and then wound up through some circumstance playing with the singer of one of the singers male singers of abba whose name i can't remember off the top of my head but then uh, like in like a side solo project, maybe recording session. I don't know. There's a whole episode we, I could regurgitate if I remembered. But the point is, he then wound up playing touring, uh, doing ABBA stuff right. for a couple of years. But that was sort of like interspersed. And then, in fact, on one of his race cars, or maybe for even two years, they put ABBA on the side of the car. I think I've seen that on the side. It's pretty yeah, badass. That's really cool. The story goes that they they didn't actually pay. You know, they didn't like sponsor sponsor the team to yeah they just get, they're like give us they allowed him, he out. allowed the band allowed him to do that to draw attention for the team because it is pretty damn cool to have abba on the side yeah, of your dude. race car rocking around abba, abba fucking rocks by the way so shout out to abba i, I love me some abba uh but uh yeah rest in peace let's see what else we got in here uh i did notice that the uh and we warned y'all but that moog moger foger plug-in pack the yep. price has has gone up they we they, tried to we tried to get everyone on board. Trying to get you on board. But Sorry. they are now selling them individually, and they're now available, which they were not doing before, and they're 59 to 79 each Oof. should you want to go that route. They're a little more expensive that way. A little, a little more spendy. Might just pick up a Behringer. Oh, buddy. Really shaking that. Shaking freaking, the rattle can over here. Freaking dude. that drama tree right over here. Shaking the rattle can. Uh, I haven't been able to see it yet because it doesn't exist yet because the episode hasn't come out yet. But did you happen to catch the headlines about our boy John Mayer and a little TV show called Impractical Jokers. No. Apparently our, our buddy is going to be on a sh on that show recently. Like it's, already that been, show. it's already been filmed. That's a fun uh, show. In the episode, I guess uh, the guy James Murr Murray. Yeah, Murr. Murr uh, has to antagonize John Mayer fans while John Mayer is playing an acoustic performance of his hit. Your that's, body is a see, wonderland. That's fucking hilarious. Dude. <laughs> and John Mayer is in on it. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, you know, it's I, antics, antics. I will watch too. that and we will report back for sure. Yeah. Please, please make that like a mini Dave's doc. Or Hell something yes, because dude. that could be a Dave's doc. I thought sure. that was, that was pretty funny and worth that's mentioning. So and also worth mentioning here in that random section is that Gibson, also shaking some stuff up shaking the rattle can shaking the rattle can i don't know why that delights me so <laughs> they are selling vintage guitars gibson and, and, and I'm, and I'm i should be clear not reissue vintage guitars or like relic guitars gibson themselves have yep. entered the vintage vintage guitar retail buying game. reselling market um five guitars are currently for sale five zero out of five guitars will be purchased i don't know if that's true man because two of those are freaking 
Les Pauls, one of them's a 1959, the other one's a 1961, a.k.a. SG. But those are two pretty serious guitars. But the only one they had listed, pretty right, was... The only one, only one has a price listed, right. which is a, a 1982 Modern, which is still a pretty neat guitar. Sure. But I think, what do they, do you remember 12, what they had? 12,000 or something? 12.5, 12, yeah. Which gives you a kind of an idea of where that 58's going to go, or 59. I, I don't know. Those are, those are very rare guitars i've never actually seen one of those i, I haven't either. in person what if they're super reasonable and they're like 58 bursts they're like yeah 100 grand yeah, come on by yeah, try it out for 75 someone just flips it um here's the thing i didn't like i, I by the way just to close the loop yeah, on it, there's ahead. also a 59 355 mono which is that what cool. i would want yeah that's super cool and a 56 junior that's pretty cool i believe too. was a yeah that would have still been a single cut yep um Here's my thing. I, I saw I don't like the way they're promoting it. It's not it's not Gibson's fault. But I saw like um it wasn't Guitar World, but it was like one of these other ones. It's like a little lower than Guitar Banger magazine.net. Yeah, whatever. And it was just like it was like Gibson's changing the game on vintage whatever. And Did they say that? Like, yeah, like changing the game. Like, come on, dude. Like what are they how, I mean What I, game? Like what are we talking I about? I guess it, they're evolving the in a lot of ways the game has been changing for a while in terms of sales because for many years it was that you had to distribute through a seller like Sweetwater or Zounds or something. And now you can buy fenders directly from fender. And now Gibson is selling their own guitars again that this is, I I wonder, wow. Is, are there any other examples no. Of anything, not even just gear or guitar, where like a company, <laughs> like, like Ford sell, buying up old Mustangs, sell something? something and then they themselves sell that thing again. Well, here's no, there's not. Well, maybe somewhere, but not. Is it like a reef, like or like a refurbished Apple, like a, a refurbished iPhone? That's not a bad call. It's kind of like that, but they don't. Uh, here's my problem. Well, with those, they don't give you top dollar. I could take them my 2019 MacBook Pro, and they'd be like. We'll give you like a hundred dollars for it. There's no way they'd give me like a good price. Take for it. take your Xbox over to GameStop. We'll yeah, give you ten bucks and a there, kick in the butthole. But here's what I'm worried about, man, with the Gibson thing, and I kind of hope Fender doesn't follow suit too, because they're behemoths with a lot of money that could potentially drive the market up on their own instruments. Because they can be like, oh, so they're setting the market for everyone else. Yeah, we'll yeah. buy this because we can afford it, hmm. and then we're gonna sell it for more because we have to make a profit. Well, they well they can sit on it for as long as they want and who's to say that the, it's not going to be controlled like any other weird commodity where now they can influence you know they can be in in cahoots with whoever buys it right to say like hey you know buy this for 400 and then we'll you know take care of you and this and this and that way I'm how do you, not, I'm, how do you I'm, feel I'm, called, I'm, I'm being slanderous no right no no, no. I'm I'm look I got, my, speculation I got my skeptical hat on yeah. right now I'm I'm gonna give this one a big thumbs down. I don't hmm. like I don't like Gibson reselling their vintage gear. The thing that part of it, I I, I still haven't thought through. I don't care. Like, the The thing that bothers me a little bit is that they the way that they position themselves is because they've got this. It's called Gibson's Certified Vintage Program. Right. The way that they're positioning themselves is that they're they are now the only ones that are the true experts on old gibsons or perhaps the only people that you could trust when it comes to buying these guitars and that feels they're undercutting everybody else who buys it feels tough when it comes to you think of the carters and grooms and cmes and well strongs and all those beautiful beautiful high-end absolute experts now you're and I'm, look, I'm not shitting on the people who work for Gibson or something, but like, you're, are you going to hire a team of crack guys who know how to like identify a 58 burst in every part? I mean, that's fine, but that's already out there. So like, I'm, it really comes down to money. They're just gonna, they're just gonna be able to buy up shit that no one else can afford and resell. Well, it and they, and money. they have, I, I mean, they have tons of like in a vault. They have a bunch of stuff. They said they've, they've already got, they've already talked about seventies and eighties guitars directly from their vault. They've got now that, celebrity-owned stuff, prototypes, golden era blue chip guitars. Now that's very interesting to me. Because what I like else? That. What I think is also interesting, and I would consider this a pretty massive positive. And if I were in this market, would make me want to consider them over your grooms and CMEs and et cetera that if we're talking about. If it's coming from their vault. If it's coming from Gibson, they are now offering, included with the purchase, a lifetime warranty I would on love, that instrument. I would love to read that. Can you believe that? 
My did you know my, that my my Martin yeah. has it's the only acoustic that they've ever sold that in has fact, a transferable lifetime warranty. What's their uh the place in um West Loop over there? You can take it. Oh, uh Third Coast. Third Coast. They're, they're a licensed They're the Martin. the only right licensed licensed vintage Martin. So you could take it there if And I have. Yeah. That's when I What did I What did I have done? I don't remember. I had something that like it's her. Um, Regardless, I think it's wild that do you think that are they forcing other retailers then to, to have to offer lifetime warranties on these certain instruments? Because I mean, twelve thousand dollar guitar with a lifetime warranty—that's I get it when it's like a, a you know a two hundred thousand dollar, three hundred thousand dollar guitar or something like that. But when you're talking about this modern, giving a lifetime warranty on that—that's what's that's the warranty sick. though? I just I don't know. Yeah, right. If it's subtext. like full replacement damage Dude, if partial, you drop it whatever. in the neck breaks are mm-hmm. they gonna because if, if it has an inevitable headstock headstock break like they all if do. they had that and they're like we'll fix your headstock for free and you can if you turn around and sell it you can say oh it's been fixed by a licensed gibson mm-hmm. you know repair and shop. is it transferable when you do sell it the, but that warranty do you, that would be a massive would, selling point like you or i wouldn't buy a warranty with a guitar i, I mean that's a whole nother topic but like yeah, well, that, and usually, What's and that's the, well, the point is that typically you can only get them on new instruments anyway, and which I think very, Sweetwater will very do. Very rarely do like, we buy new instruments. Except I'm sure for Sounds that would do something freaking like, Les Paul sitting right next to you right there. Um, yeah, this, there she is. Yeah, I don't know. I I like it. Uh, I don't like Gibson selling shit unless it's from their vault. I think that's pretty cool. But if they're going to start like buying up and selling shit, I'm I'm going to get pretty upset. Uh oh, you don't want any more competition. I mean, the point is they're already competition in that they're going to be setting the market on stuff. So hopefully it's a high number for if you've got it, and hopefully it's a low number if you're trying to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rare foot slash find of the week. You find a foot? No foot. I, I bet you know what? If you were interested, I bet you could find a rare foot that belongs to this guitar. And okay. I'll tell you why. Because this is a guitar I sent to you, which is a vintage 1976 Ibanez artist Ooh. 2663 TC, which you might know, and and I think and I didn't know until recently, wasn't actually called, but is an Iceman body. Yeah, shape. the Iceman. Yeah, the, the giant hook uh, t- on the top, and it turns out that the Iceman wasn't actually called that until 1978. So in 76, it was oh. still just called a 2663 TC. I thought it was a 90s. I didn't know that honest, until yeah. uh, until. Prepping for this this year episode, cool. but the interesting thing about this car, other than the fact that let's be honest, it looks awesome. It's super well loved and worn and stage played Iceman, but with like a, a natural wooden bursty finish. Yep, with that freaking triple humbucker pickup on Crazy there, which looking we're going to come back to. But it was owned and played a lot by Greg Douglas from Steve Miller Band. I'm a big fan of Steve Miller Band. Too. Who, if you if you don't know, which I didn't know, also co-wrote "Jungle Love" with Steve Miller. Oh, so he, not only was he, he was just, he was a, a just a guitar man, he was part of the part of the whole writing band. And one, and I, "Jungle Love" is a great song. Uh, but uh, so yeah, learned two things with this one. One dude, a dude named Greg Douglas co-wrote one of Steve Miller's greatest hits, and Iceman wasn't always called the Iceman. Doing a lot of learning. But the guitar uh, is for sale on Reverb right now, and do you happen to remember what the price was in that day? It was like over three grand, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was definitely. definitely yeah, it was over up three there. Grand. Uh, before I tell you that, do you, did you happen to notice how freaking light it was? No, I didn't see that. It was listed at seven pounds. Because that thing looks like it would weigh twelve. Easy. That's what I was thinking. Huge, I mean, it's a huge hog of wood. You know, you know that I didn't real. I didn't think about this until what we're talking about it, Josh. In you know. Good, former guest in in robes with me josh yeah got that ice man and when i picked it up the first thing i said was oh this is lighter than i thought it would be hmm. so maybe maybe Do that's you a nice think man they thing. like hollow out the body somehow like i don't know bit? i don't hmm. think so because that's a that's a lot of wood it's it was it's similar to a lot of explorers and like the expl- exactly. my old explorer your explorer was actually surprisingly was light so like how that's one of one of the guitars ah. forever but we mentioned on this ibanez that it had a triple humbucker. Yeah, and, and it, you were like, "Why? Why are those ding dongs jumping right on past that?" It looks like a like an air conditioning grate, like you know, with the <laughs> it has like the five lines. Going it does. It. it does have. I didn't even think of that. You're it's right. Very, it does very have uh, archaic looking. So I I dug into it a little bit, and uh, it is a triple coil. You might you wouldn't you probably wouldn't know that it was three coils just from the outside. It just kind of looks like a big, wide humbucker, like a du- dual mm-hmm. coil, right? 
but it is actually three coils and it's basically in construction a humbucker and a single coil you know strat style looking pickup smack dab right next to each other uh so it has interesting controls i don't know if you know this. it's two knobs and then a rotary switch oh like a like a baritone which is exactly what i thought i thought that it would have been a baritone a baritone I thought it would have been a baritone. It was a veritone, Baritone but no, it was actually a four-way rotary pickup selector. And it had four, so like I said, four positions. One is a neck coil with a dummy middle coil, so that makes it hum-canceling. Two would be a bridge with a middle coil, which makes it not hum-canceling. Three was all three coils in series, which is kind of crazy. Like, that would be a super loud and early sound and then yeah. all f- and then position four is all three coils in parallel which i'm not even exactly how sure do you put three in like. par- i don't i'm not sure it just yeah God. can we just get our hands on one I, I deeply want one of those guitars it's it's so cool and it's such a cool like stage guitar but it also is classy like you could like hang it on the wall it's like a grandfather clock it has it has it i would i would definitely listen to that thing TikTok at me for oh, sure man. yeah i'm a big fan dude so learned learned a couple things this week about uh, old Ibanez's. Uh, finally, time for gear jail. Got a couple things. I was at, I was going to ask you if someone's going lock them up, dude. I, you know I've always got candidates. I I, I judge not lest ye, ye be judged. Every crime deserves its time in, in the court of law, and that's why we're here. So we're I don't just know bouncing if I, the ball. Or I'm, I'm just saying maybe this could be, maybe it could be. All I right. want to get you. You want to sure. tell me what you think? And I think we talked about one of these. We definitely did. Okay. First one is a Gibson Custom Shop 1954 Les Paul Sr. that I believe I sent you uh, from the music zoo. You might be asking yourself, well, I've heard, I, I have heard of a Les Paul Jr., but what's a Les Paul Sr.? I've heard Hank? it all. What's going I, on? I've listened to Gearbud's podcast for 201 dang on episodes, and I haven't heard him say nothing <laughs> We've about never no Les Paul Sr. Dude, it's according to them like you've never seen before, and you, and you could say that again. Right. I don't know why this guitar bothers me and rubs me the wrong way. So it's a Les Paul single pickup. It, the body is basically like your standard or classic, whatever. In that it's a it's a slab of mahogany with a curvy you know dish of a, a maple cap on there, right? Like Sing, your, your uh, single cut. Right, single cut, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like your just like, like a Les Paul standard, Jr. Just like no, like a like a no, more like a, a standard. It's like your oh, guitar, okay. but it's paired with more, much more of a junior style neck, okay. Where it it's dots with no binding, so like a special, but it's a junior because it's only single pickup. Right. So it's like a it's like a Les Paul with one pickup, but it's got a, a crummier neck on it. Okay, and it just looks weird to me. You just hate the name, dude. I hate the name, and I think that they're asking too much money for it. It's a lot it. of dough. Did you do you remember how much they're asking? It's like seven, seven, sixty-four, and I believe yeah. that was like a price drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it they say that it straddles the line between a junior and a standard, and it just looks to me like it does the best of neither worlds. And it really, I don't know. I I think maybe I'm a little bit more hot on this one than you are. I don't think you dislike it maybe as much. When as you me. sent it to me, I just saw it, and I didn't really, you know, I. I don't read that much. You're, so not, you're the, not. You don't do words. I look at the, unless I really like something, I'll read the entire thing. But yeah, it kind of the name blew past me, and I was like, "Why is Henry so hot on this thing, dude?" And then I saw senior, you know, Gibson Les Paul Senior, Les Paul senior and I was like, "Oh, he's pissed." Well, so me. now that we've got senior and junior, that do necessitates to- a third and a fourth, and, and that means I might finally get my signature. There it is, <laughs> as a fourth, Les Paul four. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's dumb. It it's is dumb. so. Is it new? Like, is it coming out? Or are you saying this? It's is a, it was a made to measure. You know, Gibson lets you just like be like, hey, will you do this for me? And they'll be like, yes, it'll be many thousands. And uh, so this this retailer themselves decided that it's called the Les Paul Senior. That's not like right. Gibson officially released this model. And I think maybe that's what rankles me a little bit about it too. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's because you you could right now be like, I want the Dave Veller signature, and I'm gonna order whatever I want from you, Gibson, and they'll be like, okay, it's this much money. Well, you actually you have to go through a retailer, and like, people but if like I had Sammy enough money, I such. could just name my, I could make my own guitar and name it, yeah, and yeah. have like Gibson it's, make it. It's called Made to Measure. 
It's just made like, to measure. Yeah, it's just like the like a a ma- master like Gibson or a Fender like uh, master, build? master build sort of deal. Do you think if you asked Fender Master Build to name the guitar though, I don't think they would do that for you. It's not Gibson calling this the senior. This is the music zoo who's selling the guitar calling it a Les Paul senior. Oh yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gear jail. Lock him up. Lock him uh, up. It's a small sentence, but lock him up. Maybe a drunk week. drunk tank. Give him a week. <laughs> Give him a weekend, a Friday night in the drunk tank. This one bothers me just because I don't I don't for some reason JHS, even though I think they make really great stuff, I just have this weird uh, grudge against for uh, for unnamed reasons. But they came out with this new thing called the Vulture. Okay. Which, is, which is a pun name. It's a pedal. It's a mm, kind of. It's it's a it's a, a thing that you plug in in between your pedal and your power supply, and it allows you to introduce what we like to call sag, voltage sag, to your pedal to starve it of voltage. Which is a thing that might be desirable for a lot of, a lot of people if, that use fuzz pedals sometimes. In, in fact, a lot of them will even have that control built into it. But it, it's a way that you can introduce voltage starvation to the circuit so that it can sound a little choked out and nasty. What do you while. think about that? Well, I'm, I, I am talking about it in gear jail, so I, I suppose. I've it tip, sounds like I've a bunch tipped, of. Tipped my card a little bit on that It sounds like one. a bunch of hoo-ha to me, dude. Well, here's the thing, my friend. I, first of all. Voltage sag can be cool. I'm not trying to say that it's bad. In fact, it is built into many power supplies, like your Voodoo Labs and your Chalks and whatnot will often have either a way to dial down the sag or you can just select 5 volts or something You might like be that. going through this right now in your... No, I'm looking at them. We're going to come back to that <laughs> at some point. You know it. However, it doesn't sound good on most stuff, okay. so it's very... Specialize. It's like if you have a fuzz and you don't already have a way to starve it, you can buy this thing. Hmm. So eh, here's the other problem with it. It's trying to in, it's trying to do something that it's trying to sound like it, it do or I, I shouldn't say it's trying to do something that batteries do naturally, which is the the what you know the reason that you're introducing this voltage starvation is because it's kind of cool. Like you, when you plug a nine volt battery into a pedal, it's it's at nine volt for like a second and then it's slowly starving. It's right. like the, you're losing the charge for however long. And so you're, it sounds cool when it's like that slightly dying sound. So this is a way to get towards that. However, the way that it actually delivers power is completely different. So it's not even going to sound the same when you do that. Anyways, regardless, my main problem with it is the price, Dave, because now we're talking, I want you to guess how much, what do you think that they're charging for a little adapter thingy? It just goes in between your power supply and your pedal and you turn a little knobby and it, and it tells you how much voltage well is going i have through. a feeling because they're in gear jail it's gonna be like tree hunted oh no 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 not quite that okay it would be i would have already gone to try to lock them up myself oh that's yeah that doesn't even go to a judge and jury it yeah it just goes straight in um i don't know 100 bucks 80 bucks for something that's already on most parts. Do you feel supplies. like it's like a non-problem though? That's kind of what I mean. Like, no, I, I, well, so there's a reason that manufacturers already include this feature on some of their power supplies because right. some some people do want that, and I think it's a cool thing to have. I've experimented. I've experimented. I need with to it. hear. Like, I've never actually AP. like yeah. utilized it. I've right. never decided like, oh, that's better than what I was doing before with a full voltage or whatever. But some people do like that, and that's cool to have that option. But yeah. then I don't know to pay eighty bucks. Just to make make your pedal sound a little poopier? I don't know, man. Dude, do you think Kurt Cobain ever gave a shit about a sag pedal? That, you know what? You're right. This is this is definitely not. That's what throws him in gear jail. This for is me. not intended. So this is for the. You're saying that in order for gear to be viable, yeah, Kurt Cobain, Cobain has had to have been cool with it. Yeah, approved by Kurt Cobain. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's dude, a, that's a deep cut for our listeners. Yeah, there. yeah. If you want to go back to episode seven or whatever, did, did we make it that many before I told the Kirko story? I, I think pro- it was it was when Dan Lou was times. on. Whatever oh, the Dan Lou episode that was, was one that might have been number seven. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I remember dumb shit. Oh man, I've been jibber jabbering. So it's time, dude. For you I want to do give some. you a little, give me a little, little intro, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Dave the intro today on Dave's Docs today. The intro today is Dave's Docs today. 
Boy, do I have a doozy today. Mm. Now, if you guys are all-time listeners, you may have heard me. I might have brought this one up once or twice. And I, and I said this last week. I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff coming out in 2023 that I'm very excited about. And until that happens, I might start rewatching some old Dave's docs oh. that we haven't really taken notes and done a little done a little deep dive into. So when you say haven't really done, was this has this previously existed on the spreadsheet? It's on the spreadsheet next to a zero, like a number that is a, not a number. That's so you think we did it, but you couldn't. You wasn't. You don't know and what it's, it was. It's because it's so good, it has to come back out. Okay, I'm into this. And I'm talking about a band called Death. Oh yeah, I do, you, I do remember talking about that one, and I do, and I remember we talked about it because I've seen that band live, dude. Yeah, we, we're gonna get into it. I'm excited. I, I'm excited for our maybe our newer listeners. Then whatever. This is honestly one of the greatest documentaries ever. <coughs> it's so good. So a band called Death, 2013. You can find it on Redbox. Uh, if you want to rent it without commercials, it's two bucks. If you want to watch it with a few ads, Redbox. Like, yeah, Redbox. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never, I've never patronized them with my business. I didn't know that they were still a thing at all. Wow. Yeah, they have a website. Crazy. <laughs> and they had this documentary. Do they still have the red boxes? Dude, I don't know. I don't think so. No, they changed their branding. It looks okay. completely different. Um, arguably the first punk band ever. Sure. It's 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 it, that's why the documentary. We're talking pre sort of Sex exists, Pistols, right? yeah. pre Ramones. Uh. Three brothers mm-hmm. from, from Detroit. Detroit, yeah. No, I was going to say Michigan. I couldn't remember. Which Detroit is interesting because they it kind of starts around like the early mid sixties mm-hmm. when Motown's happening and all this stuff. And um, I don't know. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, man. They had a so Bobby Hackney was the bass player and vocalist. Yeah, uh, played Dan- a Rick, right? He played a Rick, dude. Great memory. Um, Dennis was the drummer, and David was the guitar player slash idea guy slash songwriter yeah. slash brains behind the mm-hmm. fucking operation a brilliant mastermind um influenced by motown obviously the parents always had music on dad was a preacher um the beatles and when they're like i don't know 13 years old david is like we should form a band because they're all like the same age mm-hmm. they were like one two three years apart and the mom got a settlement from a car accident and she was like well i'm gonna you know i can get you guys whatever you want and they're like, let's go to Manny's Music in downtown Detroit, which may or may not still be there. I don't know. And they bought, he goes, uh, I bought a Rick and a Fender bass. Um, they bought a Fender Strat and Slingerland drums. And they're like teenagers. They're like, let's start a fucking band. So the first band. That's they, a hell of a way to do it. I know. They had great gear right off, yeah. the, right off the bat, dude. But I mean, you're in, you're in Michigan. Like, it's probably the greatest spot to buy gear at the time, you know, right there, you know, middle America. Yeah, I mean they there was there the Kalamazoo factory was not too far away yet they bought all they that didn't buy Gibson yeah, stuff. Right? Um and they showed him playing a lot of other stuff during What kind of drums did you say? Slingerlands. Oh, that would have been Chicago probably. Yeah, exactly. So um anyways, they started this band called the Funk Fire Express and they were like, let's do like, you know, kind of Motown style stuff. Mm-hmm. And then David heard The Who and he's like, This is what we have to play. So the Who was their first like real influence when they were playing. Um, oh man, that's so that makes so much sense uh, with how instrumental and have you important the the bass is to their their music, dude. The bass, I mean, the guitar riffs are just. He said the ultimate guitar player would be a mix between Pete Townsend on rhythm and Jimi Hendrix on lead. Yeah, I kind of and I hard can't argue with, argue that. with that, dude. So, anyways, um, he would David would stay up playing with all this shit. They finally wrote a song called "Keep on Knocking," which is still you can find it mm-hmm. on Spotify. Um, it was the first song. So basically what's happening is this is like the early seventies at this point. They're playing in their house, in their childhood home, in a bedroom that the mom would let them play from three to six. She'd be like, cause you can be as loud as you want from three to 6 PM. And like people started hearing it. I mean, you're talking a black neighborhood in Detroit mm-hmm. in the sixties. Everybody's rock music coming from. There's everybody. not a lot of garage bands playing out of yeah. a bedroom so the girls started to like swarm the house and try to come in. And that's the song keep on knocking was about girls that were trying to come in and like, see who the fuck this was <laughs> playing these rock songs. Cause at the time, you know, the Beatles were huge and like all this other, it was a phenom to be like, you know, it was a whole thing to be like a part of a rock band yeah. at that point. Well, uh, there was a tragic thing where, uh, their dad passed away in an, in a horrific car accident 
he was trying to save someone else's life, rushing to the hospital, and he got hit by a drunk driver. It was very, very sad. And then, you know, right after the funeral, uh, David was like, I think I have a name for the band. And they're like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Like, let's name the band. We've been jamming. He's like, it's called Death. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that is a jar in the in the early 70s to be like, I'm going to name our band Death. Nowadays, it's like, whatever. We've heard it all. We've heard, you know, I used to play with a band called Diarrhea Planet. You know? Oh, hell, Diarrhea Planet you know those guys? was awesome. Yeah, yeah. they're ripped, dude. I don't even know if they're still around, but um, shout out Diarrhea Planet. So they were like, whatever, we're going to go along with it. It's our brother. He's the fucking songwriter. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of leading the charge. Uh, then they finally decide we got to get a label. Let's let's hang up uh, a yellow pages on the wall. And we're going to throw a dart at the uh, like the production, you know, whatever the, the record label section. Mm-hmm. They threw a dart and it landed on Groovesville Productions. Uh, Don Davis was the CEO. And they had to audition for this guy, Brian Spears. So what they ended up doing was doing a bunch of demos with this guy, Brian Spears. And then they, they had to pitch it to Don Davis, the CEO. And he's like, this sounds great. I love it. Everybody loves it. What do you guys call it? And they're like, death. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no fucking way, dude. So basically they, and this was uh, February 28th, 1975. So really, we just had the anniversary. Um, anyways, nobody likes the name. They start shopping it around. They go to L.A. And, and they still have the, the label behind them trying to get them a deal. Uh, they go to L.A., New York, all these places. And basically everybody loves it and they don't like the name. Mm-hmm. So they get fucked. And basically that David's like, you know, they're like, change the name. And David's like, no fucking way. We'll buy back our masters. We want the masters. All right. Long story short, they lost like a they lost out on like a twenty thousand dollar record deal, which is a lot in like mm-hmm. 1976 or whatever. Long story short. The movie gets crazy when they kind of David moves back to Michigan. A couple of the guys live in New England. They uh, the other two guys have kids. David's he's having a problem. He's battling mm-hmm. with alcohol and he's married, but he's just you know. And the other guys have families and stuff. And all their kids start playing music together. And then this is where it gets fucking wild. Uh, so there was in the year. So David dies in two thousand. He was mm-hmm. uh, died from lung cancer and alcohol addiction. And in 2008, in San Francisco, they fast forward and there's like this record collector guy. And he's like, I found this record called Death. It was a 45, by the way. It wasn't even like a full length Mm -hmm. thing. And that was the one that they were shopping around to like, they were just giving it out to record labels. And somehow it made its way to San Francisco. And this guy puts it on and he's like, this is one of the craziest shit I've ever heard. Well, guess who's living in California at the time? the son of the bass player Mm -hmm. and he hears it at a party and his roommate comes home or she hears it at a party and she's like, you have to hear this band. They're called death. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard, blah, blah, blah. So he's listening to his dad play and sing and he has no idea that it's the fucking band. Mm -hmm. Cause by the way, in the meantime, the dad, he was still playing in reggae bands and the, uh, the brother, the other brother too, his uncle Mm -hmm. playing in reggae bands and doing all this stuff. And he's like, hold on. This is my dad. And they, basically, he's like, we have to get this out there. So then people are writing blogs about it. He starts telling his friends who are musicians about it. The word spreads. I mean, in 2008, we had the internet, but it, we didn't have social media. It wasn't easy to spread shit. You had mm-hmm. blogs, basically. is like the way to spread shit back yep. then. Um, so it was fucking incredible. Then they started a band because they're like, well, all right, let's reissue it. They go to Drag City Records. They're like, you got to repress this. Mm-hmm. We need to get these masters. They were up in an attic somewhere. They got them. They repressed it. But he's like, we got to fucking start a band. So it's the sons playing in this band with a couple other people and they're performing the music live. And then they said, well, uh, Joey Ramone's brother wants to have this like birthday party and he wants them to play <laughs> because the, the Ramones were, you know, people argue they're like the first punk mm-hmm. band or whatever. And he's like, well, I, I, I want to honor these guys. Like, can we get the guys back together? to play the fucking shit. And we, you guys can open, but like, can we have the actual bass player and drummer play? Well, the, the guitar player for the reggae band they were playing with, they're like, do you want to play guitar on it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I guess. Like, <laughs> I mean, these parts are wild. Yeah. And by, you know, now it's like the brother's been dead. You know, the, the guitar player has been dead for like 10 years at that point. And um, yeah, Bobby Duncan, and he goes, all right, I'm going to give it 110%. And there's a great scene where they were like the first note, like we played one song 
and they hadn't played these songs in 35 years. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they just started crying. He's like, we like, we feel like, you know, his presence is here. Like we're playing with this guy. He did such a great job of like honoring the memory of this guy. Yeah. And they go, let's come back with him on guitar. And he has the look and everything. And it's like, I mean, it's the craziest story ever mm-hmm. the son heard the record and now they're like they reformed. across the country got the band back together dude across the country i mean it's just it's it's almost like you could write this as a movie movie you that's know? why it's such an incredible documentary man. it's i i mean i had to, i gave it a nine and a half out of ten like, whoa there's, there's no i mean and i don't even know what a 10 out of 10 is yeah like, maybe the taylor hawk in tribute which mm-hmm. technically wasn't a documentary but like you know but they had uh, Questlove, Kid Rock, Elijah Wood, who owns a record label called Simeon Records. Hmm. I did not know that. Did you? Mm-mm. I don't even know if they're around. Alice Cooper, Henry Rollins, and uh, Vernon Reed from Living Color yeah. are all part of the uh, the guest spots in there. Gear Spots, Telecaster Custom was the main guitar. D- the dual humbucker. Yeah. Good call. Rick Four Rick Four Thousand One uh, Natural um, Acoustic Amps. Strat, Sunburst, and a uh, Double Stack Marshalls was the... Which uh, I don't know if it's still the same one, but he definitely, when I saw them, he played a natural 4001. Yeah, and it it might be. It was probably like, I would guess, 2012 or so. In the movie when they reunited, um, and I think it was 2012, because didn't they play like Wicker Fest or something? They played Wicker Park Fest, yeah. Yeah. Um, In the movie, he was playing a P-Bass at that point, but, you know, I think he's just one of those dudes. No, because I have a picture on my Instagram from that show and he's mm-hmm. playing the rick which is probably yeah. the original one dude. that's something i'm not sure that's so cool I-, I gotta say man i mean as far as documentaries go music docs I- this one's on a few lists that i've looked at it is yeah. and stuff but it's not well known well, enough. It's, it's for a number of reasons they're all interesting characters i mean there's death there's drama and the fact that not only was this at this wild discovery but it was of a a very important kind of music that like changes the actual history, the history of rock, the history of, of metal, the heavy music and rock music yeah. and all that stuff, sort of stuff. And it, 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 it was a story that remained untold. And now we get, we get to hear it and you get to tell it. It's, it's, it's sad because the guy, David knew when he wrote these songs and they didn't get the labels going mm-hmm. and they couldn't get it going. And he moved back to Michigan. He knew he was like, you know, and I think that's what drove him to alcoholism and all that stuff. He's like, he knew it was over. He knew that was his only goal in life was to release these songs. And when the band's being interviewed about playing that show and touring now and stuff, mm-hmm. they're like, it's bittersweet because we're playing it without him, but we're playing his songs. Yep. And it's, it's intense, man. I mean, I got, I got pretty weepy, dude. It's, and I will say this too, from a, from a, a doc standpoint, there's so many awesome photographs of them in the studio and like they do the kind of thing where it's like they put movement to the photographs and like the backgrounds oh, yeah, and stuff sure. and like they just do a really good job with editing and everything so to me it's a nine and a half out of ten don't know what a ten is but um fucking death rules i'm dude. glad you revisited this one that's uh that, yeah, it's almost it, it would have been a shame if we never got around to make that an official yeah. Dave's because I mean that is like one of the Dave's dockiest docs to do- and to Dave's doc. I'm sure we've talked about it on here. And stuff. No, I know I know that we have, but it was definitely yeah, it was more of like an earlier off the cuff thing. I don't think it was ever an official an official entry. Um, I want to buy a death T-shirt for sure with the sickle with the uh, no, it's it's four. Oh no, dots. that's the me- that's the metal band. Death yeah, the that... four dots in a triangle. Like oh, the four. Then they have well, the tattoo. Three, three in a triangle, and then there's like one extra dot mm-hmm. at the bottom. Yeah, he explains it all in the thing. Right. If you guys haven't seen Death, um, look up the Death documentary. A, it's a band called Death. A band called Death. So simple, so cool, and the music rules. On Spotify, it's they proto punk. Yeah, yeah. The proto punk is a. What is proto? I mean, that is what it is. Because it's not punk like, blah, 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 like, you know, like Sex it's, Pistols. It's still like you can tell that that was the, like the earliest zygote child of what punk became. Yes. It was like the it was the bridge between whatever came before and punk. Because you can hear like the classic rock, I guess you could call it yeah. influences in the. But it's it's all super riffy. And yeah, exactly. Very, very cool music, man. Good days, Doc. Dude. Bud good one i'm i'm really happy about that one man me too i'm also happy that we get to get into some future gear because we don't have any weird diatribes for me to get on this week but we okay. do, there's all sorts of gear that came out so we've got some stuff to catch up on nice we'll talk through some of it and i'm gonna start with the thing that i am personally most excited about because 
there is an amp that's still out there that I would consider to be a holy grail that I have not ever had the chance to play. Okay. Or even, honestly, I don't think I've ever, honestly, I don't know that I've ever been in the room with one. Like, I don't think people tour them really anymore. Yeah, you want to guess? Do you have any idea what that might even be? Dude, my mind is blown. Any, like, any, any, like, brands? I would, this is on my bucket list of of things that I, I mean, owning it is beyond my means, but uh, playing it is definitely a thing that I want to be able to do. Please. The Mesa Boogie Mark II C+. The Mark II? C+, specifically. What's the C+. Uh, it's a an average grade on a, an exam here I know, in, I was like, in the like, Seal States. My college, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my GPA, yeah, right? Hey. Hey. and uh, it is the the Mark II C Plus was an amp that was made famous by I would say a handful of people, but to me the reason that I really am excited about it was Master of Puppets. It is okay. pretty much known as the Master of Puppets amp. That surprises me. It's whole thing. I didn't know that. I thought they would be like Marshalls or something like that. The story goes that for that record and Ride the Lightning, they would actually take the Mark II C Plus, run into the front end, front end of that, but run it into the power amp of a Marshall. Okay. I've, I've read. There's a lot of talk about it, but the Mark II C Plus is definitely part of the like historical saga of the Metallica sound. Okay. Uh, also, I mean, a lot of people. Prince played one. Steve Lukather, he shows up a lot in all sorts of stuff. Neil Sean from Journey, but I think the other what I would consider when I think of it, the two sort of most famous are, like I said, Metallica and uh, John Petrucci from Dream Theater. Oh, a lot dude. of those early Mesa e riffy sounds are via that amp. In <laughs> fact, his signature amp has like the Mark II C plus mode and stuff. Okay, but this is like a it's a it's a it is definitely a a, a free, you know a hushed tones ooh people you know angelic choirs part when when they show up because they're very and and they're not you know of course price wise they're not like in like the dumbbell world but they are if they do show up they're certainly in the like what I would probably like ten ten thousand damn up and, and and up but it was just dropped on us and it had been sort of teased for a little while if you're oh. on the email list from Neural that they have fully released an endorsed version by Mesa plug-in of the Mark II C+, as well as the Mark II C++, which is like the hot-rotted cool. version that eventually came out. And it's, it, it's you can use it as a plug-in in your DAW of choice or even just standalone uh, as, a, as a, an app on your computer. Could you load that in your Kemper? That is a separate thing. Kemper, you know, it's just like a profile. Okay. So you'd have to find a way to, I th- yeah, it, could you could you profile like your uh, studio monitors? You know, you're like playing the plug-in. Right. And then like, you know what I'm saying? I, I wonder saying. how you do that. Yeah. But maybe. Uh, but it has, not only does it just have those amps meticulously modeled, and again, as I said, officially licensed and approved by Mesa, right? Like it's Yeah, that's huge. Designed and built, built with their sort of like approval. Uh, and it also includes a bunch of, they're basically rack effects, but they sh- they make them look like pedals that you can put pr- before or after or in the effects loop of the amp. So it's like your boosts and drives and delays and choruses and whatnot, uh, as well as a bunch of different Mesa cabs. And uh, it's available now. So for what, what many consider to be one of the Holy Grail, probably the Holy Grail heavy metal amp. What do you think they're they're charging for this for the old plug in there? Yeah officially licensed man that's a tough one because i i i'm not good with the prices on these but mm-hmm. like 100 bucks 100 quid hmm. yeah not bad i'm Bullseye? definitely i i watched a couple demos of it uh and they, it sounds incredible and there's a 14 day demo available and i will be downloading it and trying it myself I don't, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't plug dude. in, I don't plug in, I don't play right. guitar plugins that often these days. That's if I'm going to play say. direct, it's with the Kemper typically. So you're saying like, but if I had like, um, if I was doing a recording, let's say, mm-hmm. and I wanted to add a plugin, let's say, let's which say. I happen to be doing right now you do. with the guitars, I could, I could buy this and use it or even do the trial. Yeah. You know, just like anything else, I would say, take a DI when you're recording that guitar pump that di right through this plugin and have yourself a little little fest i gotta hear it man i think you do i'm excited it sounds real good did you see the new epiphone karina guitars that were 
announced. No. Uh, th- th- these are kind of interesting and for a couple of reasons. So first of all, uh, let me just say that I used to have an Epiphone Karina Explorer. That was an incredible guitar. Uh, you did? I did but way back in the day. That was a gift from a friend that I wound up selling when I was getting some other guitar. Wow. Such a cool guitar. Uh, but these new ones are actually... So there's a, an Epiphone 1958 Karina V right. and Explorer. They're made in partnership with a Gibson Custom Shop. So these are Epiphones made in tandem with the custom shop. And uh, I, I checked out some of the CME uh, demos that they put out already on those, and they seem freaking incredible, dude. Dude, I mean. It's actual Karina wood. that They've got actual Gibson burst bucker pickups in there, CTS pots, Mallory capacitor. Um, the You know what I really liked was the headstocks on these have like a – it's like how they were back then where it's almost like a – like a badge on the back of a car for the logo. Was it? You know, instead of instead of being silk screen yeah, flat, the, it's a three dimensional sort of really that or that you might find on like an amp. Yeah, but, you know, of course it says Epiphone instead right. of Gibson, uh, so it has that on there, which I think is very dude. Striking. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, and it also has in this. I think this is pretty interesting. On the back of the headstock, it says Epiphone X Gibson Custom. So it actually even says Gibson Custom. So how, how long do you? Th- my question to you, Dave. How long do you think it's going to take until some blues dad tries to sell it as a Gibby custom shop? Taking the badge off? And uh, no, not even. Just the, like in the listing, he's going to call it Gibson custom oh, shop. And then, you, and then you click the link and you find out that it's gonna, the, yeah. the old Epic Gibby. Zero days. It, it's already up there. It's already up there. Before we release right this episode. Just, hey, wait, hold on. We're going to get our phones up. Uh, it does include a hard shell case, as you, you kind of need with instruments of this yeah. size and shape. What do you think they're charging on these? So, I now correct me if I'm wrong. You've just, never been wrong since oh, I've known. I've never been one, in 201 episodes because I was looking at the Epiphone. They do a the 55 reissue, the Black Beauty that I love so much. They do the one with the P90s mm-hmm. and the staple pickups and all that. I don't think it has the staples though. Um, but they do that, and I've seen them used for 700, and I've seen them new for like. 1200 so i'm gonna go in the are tw- they th- are they that much i guess Eesh. i didn't realize that yeah they get up there because it, it is technically like it's nicer than your like epiphone standard sure um so i'm gonna go with this i'm gonna go like yeah to the a thousand or 1200 range dude they're asking 1299 bam epiphones are officially expensive expensive they're the mexican fenders it's but right they're the same Indonesia. Price point. right but i'm just saying price point wise mm-hmm. it's kind of there which is it's, is that it's, where all the Mexican Fender stuff is now? I'm like, it's some, <laughs> I wouldn't some be surprised. Is. No, I, I don't. I think it's made in Mexico. Still. No, no, no. I'm saying the price. Oh yeah, 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 dude. Like the Ventera stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all like thirteen hundred yeah. bucks. Um, those gold foils. Oh yeah, I didn't get a Mexican. chance to click on the one that you just sent me. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it just looked wacky. Um, I have an issue with something that's from 2023, and then there's a huge description about how it was like sent back to the factory, and then they never mentioned the uh, Bigsby at the end of it either. So I yeah. Don't, I don't know what was going on with huh. that thing. I, I anyways, I kind of hated it. But yeah. um, no, the point is, yeah, price point. We're talking thirteen hundred bucks. Epiphone's nice, man. I, if you can get past the logo, I think you can have a, a fine guitar. A lot of people get stuck on that. I'm shit. sure, dude. I'm sure that guitar rules. Honestly, I'm Fuck sure. Yeah, I'm sure rules, it's a great dude. instrument. So and a nice it's setup. Just, it's it's so. I, it's just I'm still I'm still such a gear boomer that it's hard for me to get used to. $1,300 Epiphones, you know? I know, man. Well, it's like the Squires are 800 bucks now, brand new. What? Some of them, yeah. Really? They make some that are... Like, they're some of their, like, quote-unquote signature models and stuff like that. Yeah, they're up there, dude. Dang. All right, man. A couple more pedals I want to talk about, if you don't mind. Let's talk Peds. There is a new edition of a really cool pedal that I've always wanted to own that I haven't, and this is making it much more possible for me. Because this pedal is the Zvex USA Vexter series Fuzz Factory Seven. Now that's a lot of those are a lot of words and things to say. So take, roll that back. Zvex, love that brand. Love them. We love the Fuzz Factory around it's wild, here. Obviously, but we love it. Yep. This pedal came out. The original Fuzz Factory Seven. I don't have it written in here, but it came out years ago at this point, and it's basically a uh, fancy expanded take on a fuzz factory where it has instead of five knobs i believe it has seven Mm. 
it, including a nine-position rotary switch. Oh, wow. It also has a hand-painted, because all the, the paddle, you know, the paddles are normally hand-painted, The even the NOS germanium transistor which is a gt308v for those keeping track is hand painted in pink in case you ever open her up and you can see it no because the the pedal itself has a backlit led window oh it's kind of sick dude yeah i kind of like when it. you cl- when you when you switch it on it like you can see the transistor light up which is pretty neat uh but it goes from like crazy down that nine position switch take, takes it like super low you can dial it to make it real real deep deep bass all the way up to freaking dog whistle above human hearing i've heard it go yeah yeah i mean i've i've had weird experiences with that pedal it also the the, there's an added passive tone control on a second foot switch that you can click on and off for this which makes it even more versatile and potentially chaotic so uh if you need to get rid of some high end i think that's a good way to do it I'm super excited about this pedal because, like I said, it, they've only ever in this is in the USA Vexter series. Vexters, they're sort of more uh, mass manufactured, still can be kind of expensive because it's not a, you know, we're not talking about boss pedals here, it's still a boutique company. Yeah. But it's more affordable than it was originally when it came out because they're all like the hand handmade ones and then have also gone way up in price in the secondhand pedal market. That's true. So, all of that said, where are we at? Where are we at? 250. Ooh, I'm sorry, buddy. It's a bit higher than that. Three ninety nine, which I I, I kind of get when you see how where they go where the, how like I said with like that LED window and like you know they've kind of it's not just a standard enclosure they they do it is a right. bit a bit of an over the top kind of statement piece, if you will. Nobody yeah. needs a, a a pink transistor window, but I want one. Well, yeah, I want so. This. I get I get the three ninety nine price. I, on this yeah, one. I've had I've had a love hate relationship with the uh, the original one. Uh, they're like they're, Charlie, they're Charlie a, tri- has one. a tricky stallion to tame because I think Brad had one and then Charlie Brad, bought one because Brad had that's one. That's right. Yeah, and and, they, and, and I have and I had one and Brad one got one. Like, there I you go. Yeah, it, I don't know, full circle. Yeah. Um, it's still one of those things where it's like if you put it on at a show, you don't know what's going to happen with that fucking thing, dude. Like if you're playing live and you just click that thing, yeah, it's a scary situation. I had one, and because they they are germanium transistors in there, which are known to be heat sensitive, and I had one that was extra heat sensitive, and I played an outdoor show, outdoor show with it once, and that oh, was like one shit. of my main sounds was that pedal, and it just it was unusable. I did it not was, know they were heat sensitive. What yeah. happens to it? Does it shut down? Even like they get like that weird raspy choky insane broken sound like not good yeah not fuzz, the fun. Fa- fuzz faces are actually known for doing that as well like playing outdoors in the heat and such with fuzz faces oh, they're no they're known to freak out i did not know that. yeah because the the fuzz factory is basically a f- tweaked fuzz face where you, you took some he basically in many ways this is simplified but took some of the functions that were uh Hard, hardwired like with a resistor or a capacitor or whatever and made those adjustable on potentiometers okay so instead of having just a volume and fuzz you have volume fuzz whatever and stability like a, gate and right. the other thing and those are just settings that are hardwired in the circuit originally so i got you that's that one more pedal if you don't mind because this one is like people are freaking out about and i'm gonna have to like talk through this a little bit because it's kind of interesting it is called the IK Multimedia Tone X pedal. And this this pedal, it fits somewhere in the world of all the things that we've we've been talking about a lot lately, Dave. And and one of the things that we've been talking about a lot lately is this idea of a full rig or or even just your amp existing in a pedal. And this takes that concept which there are myriad examples that we've talked about there's so i mean in fact you sent me that bergantino bass one recently there's yep. like i mean there's just so many of these where it's like amp and a pedal amp and a pedal amp and a pedal this one is that but it is also the same type of concept at least as a kemper profiler oh shit because not only can you just get you know preset sounds this is 
actually really designed for the folks that want to do the Kemper thing where you profile amps or download profiles of amps. And it does that same process where, you, you know, you take the microphone on and do the whole thing with the cable and it makes the alien sounds and yada, yada, yada. But in a, a little pretty relatively small format pedal no and, shit. I might, and I might add affordable which we'll come back to Ooh. Uh, so it's basically and and the other thing about this is that the so, it comes with we, we, we actually talked about it the software plugin like the computer based software ha, for this has existed for a minute now and it's really interesting because it's actually AI based so it does AI machine modeling stuff uh, but now essentially takes that plugin software and puts it into a pedal format, which is where it frankly really belongs in my opinion. Uh, anyways, you can have a thousand tone models via the software or I'm sorry, hundred, you can have 150. There are, all, are already 1000 available on just like it comes with it, but you can put 150 of them onto the pedal, uh, in 50 banks via USB. Again, if you have your own amps, you can also do the profile thing where you do the yada yada alien sounds and then take your own amp sound and then just stick that into a little pedal and then you bring that with you everywhere and you've got your amp in a box. Holy along, shit. Along with 149 other plugins. Who makes this? This is made by IK Multimedia. There are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kemper makes a, f a floor pedal version of the profiler as well. It is pretty massive and very expensive. This is neither of those things. Wow. What it also doesn't have, I should be clear, that the Kemper does have uh, is, well, first of all, a bunch of connectivity, you know, m more interesting things with like, it doesn't have an effects loop, for instance. Like, it, it's only just like in and out, kind of stereo, pretty simple. It also doesn't have any effects. So I think it has maybe mm. like a compressor and a noise gate. Maybe I think it has a reverb as but well. But you could run your board through it. You could, Of course, right. So, yeah. you, you, but if you are the sort of person that really, really wants to have an effects loop and only runs your delays and reverbs in the effects loop of your amp, you can't do that with this. You can only run gotcha. it. You could run it after the pedal, which is kind of a weird thing. I don't know how that would work. It might be okay. But of course, like anything that you'd normally run into the front of your amp, a fuzz pedal, et cetera, you can definitely do that shit all day. Uh, but people are freaking out about this because again, I mentioned it's affordable, but it, from all the demos that I've seen so far and everyone that, that does have it, cause it's a, a recent release. It sounds really good. Yeah. And uh, it's, like I said, very simple. It's uh, MIDI in and out, audio in and out. It has USB so that you can uh, connect it for the software. It does all offer that sort of like audio interface capability as well if you want to like record direct to your computer with this pedal. But I don't really think people use these pedals for to do that kind of thing. This is much more like let's go use this live or at band practice or whatever. Right. Or even with headphones uh, because it does have a headphone jack. Uh, as well as I should add uh, the last connection, which is uh, an input for an expression pedal, so you can oh very nice via expression. What it? What would you say is like uh, that brand's like one of their most like uh, trademark things? I would say I I Multimedia is, is probably most famous for Amplitube, which yes. is their plugin uh, guitar amp plugin software, which I used to use and sounds incredible. Solid. It's it's been a long time since i have used it and there's probably multiple versions but i used to use it back in the day and it was yeah. one of the first really good ones in my opinion and uh they i mean they've they've made pedals and stuff in the past so it's not like they have no experience in that realm mm -hmm, with the hardware and with stuff. hardware exactly and uh you know they're but they've, they've always been on the more sort of in fact i have what do i still have? i have their uh it was like a little interface that you could plug your guitar quarter inch cable into and then it would convert it into the like uh, iphone jack but like the iphone jack that we don't have anymore you know like not lightning uh, right. so it's a, essentially useless for me i could probably do it with this ipad in fact oh the the quarter to eighth inch thing yeah it looks like eighth inch but it's actually like a, a weird one it's okay like similar but yeah basically uh i have one of those that they made i don't remember what it's called it's uh yeah i don't know but it they, they so i i have a generally favorable uh positive yeah opinion of the brand yeah they've been around so uh all that said with all that capability oh, all those sounds all the flexibility you said affordable i might have what do you think i'm gonna say 200 bucks oh that's a bit low i don't think people would take it seriously 500 if, if it was that low that's a good guess it's 399 okay right in the middle there if this could com genuinely compete with the amp modeling in your Kemper, your Fractal, right? For that price, 
This could. This is an actual game changer. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Kempers are what, two grand or something like that. Like uh, over that, yeah. Yeah. So the the floor the floor one. Yeah, I don't remember what that is. It's almost a cool like introductory level thing. Like if you want to start messing around with stuff like that. Yeah, but I'm seeing people talking about it as if it's as if it sounds as good as any of the other big boys and neurals and only line sixes of the world. I mean, only you would be able to decide i don't know i kind of need my need to get my hands on one if you guys are listening compare it to the kemper send it over we'll check. or for that price it's near impulse just, territory just man buy it. oh dear the 10 i don't need it jeez but i want it no that sounds fucking awesome man i yeah. love that shit i don't know part of me loves it part of me is you know boomer dad i'm like give me you a, like your amps give me a heavy amp dude i need to i need the wind blowing the back of my jeans I'm happy with the the general size and heft of the EVH head. Like it's heavy enough that I know it's there, but it's not back break, breaking my back like moving that stupid basement back and forth was. That is the heaviest amp head I own for sure. The basement. The basement. Oh, that oh my crazy. It's and you only have to move it twenty feet. I know exactly. <laughs> well, it's and it has this extra. It was a an aftermarket giant massive transformer added that like yeah. it unbalances it. And right. Makes it so it's much not heavier. as not as heavy as the standard. Yeah. Oh, it's oh no, it's way heavier. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, the the standard is like you know, dude. dude this episode was freaking heavy. We've been talking for a long. time. We've been talking at one. You yeah. guys want to tune in? We'll see how much of that makes it. But uh, uh, dude, it was fun, man. I was very. I was looking forward to doing this with you. Can buddy. I say something, man? I think the episode two hundred one is almost more important than two hundred. We kept on going because we just you know, if you guys are listening, that's that's awesome, man. I appreciate you guys. I didn't know it's that always we, there were the next actually one. people who listen to every episode, and that's. That means a lot. That oh, keeps me coming that's back, a, dude. That's a wonderful gift that you were just given. I'm happy about that. Yeah, thanks, man. I love you. I love making I love this you, show bro. with you. I love the people that listen to this show. I love that we get to do it every week. We have that privilege and honor. And if you made it to the end of this beefer of an episode, which, by the way, the last episode, by far the longest we've ever done. Yeah, so this if you is, made it through that. <laughs> yeah, dear. Uh, this one's long, but not, not quite as long as that. But if you made it to the end of this one, why don't you make some music? 